open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The true God one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Look upon mine affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Look upon mine affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. The Old Testament lesson for the third Sunday after Trinity is written in the seventh chapter of the book of the prophet Micah, beginning at the eighteenth verse. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the disobedience of the remnant of his heritage? He doesn't retain his anger forever, because he delights in loving kindness. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot, and you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the fifth chapter of the first epistle of St. Peter, beginning at the sixth verse. Brothers, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your worries on him, because he cares for you. Be sober and self-controlled. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Withstand him, steadfast in your faith, knowing that your brothers who are in the world are undergoing the same sufferings. But may the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. He hath delivered my soul in peace. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of your property. So he divided his livelihood between them. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all of this together and traveled into a far country. There he wasted his property with riotous living. When he had spent all of it, there arose a severe famine in the country, and he began to be in need. He went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He wanted to fill his belly with the husks that the pigs ate, but no one gave him any. But when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I'm dying of hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will tell him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. 
he arose and came to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him, and he was moved with compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Then they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. As he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants to him and asked what was going on. He said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and healthy. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and begged him. But he answered his father, Behold, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed a commandment of yours. But you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this your son came, who has devoured your living with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But it was appropriate to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the epistle, in the verse just before our reading, which is too bad it's not included in there, but in the verse just before our reading, Peter says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He sums up our reading so well. Yet when we hear these words and look at our gospel reading, it's interesting because the gospel starts off with much pride and not any humility. In the gospel, our Lord tells us a story of two sons, two brothers. The first son, the younger, goes off to his father and in effect tells him, drop dead and give me mine. That is unmistakably pride. The second son, the older one, he's not much better. We see this later in the gospel lesson. That he thinks so much of his own works and he's so jealous of his own brother that he hates his father. He stands outside the house. He refuses to go in with his family. And why? Because he feels he's followed the father's commands perfectly, and he's mad because he hasn't gotten his. The brother is all about himself. The older one is. He's all about his own works, and that also is pride. These sons are the proud of which Peter is speaking about here. And just like last month, Their pride is on full display. And so Peter continues in our epistle lesson. He says, not really humble yourselves, but be humble. Be humble, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. But these words are foolish to these proud sons. They don't want to be exalted by God or their father. They want to exalt themselves. They don't want to cast their anxieties on him because they believe they can build the perfect life without him. They don't want to be under the mighty hand of God or their father. Each son wants to go out and do what is right in his own eyes, to find their own life, to find their own fulfillment, to find all that is good elsewhere. They don't want the father's care. They want to define themselves, create their own lives, live by their own passions. And our world, and really our flesh if we're honest, it's kind of empathetic to these brothers who just want to be themselves. Why not just let them go out and live as who they are and who they want to be? But the father in the story, he doesn't stop them. Instead, he gives the younger sons the younger son, the riches he promised to him. And likewise for the older son, the father doesn't take anything away from him. Instead, he tells the older son in his anger, in the, in the older son's anger, all that is mine is yours. The sons, they're prideful, they're hateful, but the father, he's true to his word and his promise. He gives what he promised to, gave, to give. So the younger son takes these riches and moves to a faraway land. And to put this in context, in our context, so we understand it. It would be as if the baptized child left the church and the body of Christ to go under the foreign religion of the world and the pagans. He looks for nothing good from the father, but rejects the father, instead seeking all that is good through his lusts and the promises of false gods, bending his knee to them. This younger son clearly rejects the words of Peter that we hear this morning. He's far from sober. He's far from standing firm. Instead, he's seduced by the lion's roar. Christ says that this son lives recklessly, frivolously, wasting his possessions. The older brother, though, is a little more blunt, as all brothers tend to be, and says the younger brother devoured the father's property with prostitutes. He wasted all those riches on living the life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, so to speak. The older, the older son looks at the younger, and really the older son feels superior to him. But he's not. He's just as seduced by the lion's roar as his brother is. When Peter tells us to be watchful, the older son is anything but that. Instead, he is enticed and deceived by his own works. He's out in the father's fields, not focused on the father's grace that he's just there. But in those fields, he's focused on earning his own reward. As he works, he hears the songs of praise at the house. And as the servant shares the good news with him of the father's grace towards his brother, the older brother clings to his works and his pride. After all, he's the one that's always been at the father's house. He's always sought to fulfill the father's commands and to do good works for him. Where's this brother's reward? Where's his fattened calf or even just his goat? And again, in our context, to understand this, this is the man who always goes to church every single Sunday, treats everyone well, always volunteers when it's needed, visits new members and shut-ins, and is so generous with everyone that he never turns anyone away. But on Sunday morning, he doesn't listen. 
he doesn't consider the gospel. Instead, he shuts up his ears, looks at the commandments, and thinks he's doing them himself, fulfilling them himself. He comes to the altar not to receive, but to show off his treasures, not realizing they're filthy rags. And then when he, when he doesn't receive what he feels is his, when he feels not properly recognized, he stops coming to the altar and refuses to come to church altogether. Each brother, both of them, had his own answer to their salvation for their divine reward for receiving life. It was the answer of other gods and false religions, of inner feelings and thinking the divine answers are in the heart somewhere. It's the religion of lusts and inner urges, or of earning their own way to the great banquet with their friends. But these are our temptations also. To think our greatness is inside ourselves instead of hearing the word of God outside of ourselves every Sunday. Thinking our anxieties will be calmed by sex or pornography, alcohol or drugs, gossip or putting another down. Or maybe even thinking we found the right political party or that the right court decision will ease those anxieties. Thinking that glory is just a beautiful woman or a care or a house or a few million dollars away from us as if we only had, if only we had what God wouldn't give us, then life would be perfect. Always expecting every good thing from everywhere but the Father. That's the Son's temptation. And that's the temptation of our flesh as well. But when Peter's words this morning are rejected, when pride takes over, look at where it leads. The younger brother trades his sonship, his royalty, his divine riches for a life where he becomes broke, Lonely, starving, and wallowing in the filth with pigs. Pigs who have more than him, by the way. The promises of his lusts, the promises of those false gods, they couldn't keep the famine away that was coming. And they never brought him anything good. He had nothing. And for the older brother, look where pride led him. Let him to stand outside the church, alone, angry, full of hate, refusing to join the congregation to eat the finest of banquets. The temptation of pride led them to oppose their father. It brought them into the lion's den and into the lion's mouth. They rejected their father's love, traded their royalty for filth. They traded life for death because of their pride. Again, Peter says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Yet here our Lord shows the story changes. When the younger son has nothing, the story changes. And our Lord says of the younger brother, He came to himself and said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And he says he will go repent. The younger son miraculously sobers up. His pride somehow turns into humility. And it's easy to hear this story and think that he changed something in himself, that he thought about things and that his reason ruled the day, or that the grueling work and empty belly led him to learn a valuable life lesson, or so on. But if you really want to know the key to understanding this whole parable, of understanding how pride turns into humility, it's this. The son didn't change anything in himself. 
The sun does change here, but not because of some inner power or strength or reason. What changes everything is the Holy Spirit brought him to remember his catechesis. The Spirit brought him to remember his catechesis. He remembered he is baptized. That the Father in his love sent his only begotten Son to die for him. That the love of God manifested on the cross when the Son of God died for him and all his sin took the penalty for him. That the grace of God there on the cross came to him in baptism where he was made clean in the blood, where he became a son of God in Christ, where he could call God Father, where he himself received all the promises of the Father, all by the Father's grace, nothing by what he had done, but by the Father's grace alone. By the Spirit, he remembers his Father's grace. That's what changes everything, the Father's grace. So he resolves that he is no longer worthy enough to be called a son of the Father. He feels himself too much of a sinner. But he wants to go confess. And he wants to say, I would rather be a doorkeeper or a servant in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked or the trough of pigs, if you will. He knows that for the sake of Christ crucified, the Father will be gracious and good to his promises. Again, Peter says, not make yourselves humble. Not humble yourselves. You don't do it yourself. It really should should say, be humble. Be humble, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Then a little while later, Peter says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The prodigal son returns, humble, repentant, wanting to cast off all his anxieties on the father, his anxieties of hunger, death, fear of that prowling lion. He wants to cast all of that on the father so that he may be away from it and that he may be at peace in the father's house. Again, the father's grace is the key to this whole story. It's what changes everything, and it's on full display here. The father sees the son returning and he doesn't wait. He runs to him, not to condemn him, but full of compassion to show him his grace. The father runs to the son and embraces him, holds him, kisses him before the son can utter even a single word of repentance. By way of a fatherly kiss, the father by his grace restores his son. As if we're hearing God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. When the son does confess, see how the father demands his son be clothed, not as a doorkeeper, but with the robe of righteousness, with the royal seal of the ring, with shoes to walk on the way. The father clothes the son and confirms him before all the church as his son. I forgive you all your sins. Then the father tells the servants to prep the choices of meats, and we might dare add the choices of drink, so that they may all gather and celebrate this divine supper, so that through this divine food, the father may strengthen his son. Take eat, take drink. At the end of this supper, the father proclaims, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. 
See how by the word and the sacrament, the Father establishes His Son, proclaiming Him alive, proclaiming Him to be His own. Depart in peace, He might as well said. In humility, the Son was exalted by the Father in the fitting, the proper time. And the Father, He shows the same grace to the older brother as well. The older son cursed the Father's grace, refused to join the congregation or eat of the banquet. Instead, He belittled the meal and removed Himself from there out of pride and anger. And yet, there again is the Father, begging the Son to come in. Telling him, even when the son is angry and blaspheming him, telling him, all that is mine is yours. Through all the pride the father suffers, he doesn't remove a single promise of his riches. But he proclaims repentance and return to baptism. Return to the riches I'm giving you. What happens with the older brother? We don't know. We're not told. But it's not really the point. The point of the story is the Father's grace. That's why it ends with the Father's grace. The Father's grace may be rejected, but He never takes it back. His love, His promises, His grace are always true. And that's the key here. Again, St. Peter says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is why Peter instructs us. Not on our own actions or ourselves, but on God's grace. Peter says, be humble, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's easy to hear this story and think that the younger son goes into the house, eats the banquet, and lives happily ever after. But that's not what we're shown. Instead, hear the words of the older brother. He says, look, these many years I have served you, talking to the father, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. This text and experience tells us that while the younger son left the world and all the false religions, that that doesn't mean that the world or the false religions don't react. In fact, the older brother here shows us that not only he, but also the world will blaspheme the father's grace and hate that son Because they hate the church. The life of the younger son we see here will be one of suffering while he has peace in the father's house. It is the suffering which all of us in the church, in the brotherhood of saints the world over, suffer together. But Peter says this suffering will be for a little while. What he's saying is compared to the father's grace, the strength of the father's grace, The suffering will be for a little while, but the grace of the Father will bring us through any and all persecution and suffering. Peter says, be humble, be repentant, suffer willingly, know you are not alone. Because as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, no matter the suffering. Because the Father's grace will prevail through it all until the Father exalts us in his Son, 
when he comes again. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Redeemed with thy precious.
O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, the protector of all that trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that, you being our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we finally lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. 
and in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.